Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Friday, March 5th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Spring football has started at Kansas State, and it got me wondering who's got a better quarterback depth situation in college football than the Wildcats. Returning is Skylar Thompson for a sixth season. He was injured early last year and replaced over the final seven starts by Will Howard, and Howard's also back. Joining the fold is freshman Jake Rubley, a highly regarded prospect. Beat writer Kellis Robinette discusses the position and more on today's show that starts with some comments by Wildcats coach Chris Kleiner. After a break, the conversation shifts to basketball. Kansas State finishes the regular season on Saturday at home against Iowa State, and although it's been a disappointing season, there's a nice little carrot out there for the Wildcats. Kellis will tell us about it. So let's get started talking Kansas State football, first from Chris Kleiman and then Kellis Robinette. Just finished practice two of spring ball, uh, second uh, non-padded day. You have to have two uh, to start with with just helmets and and shorts. So we were able to get those done on Wednesday and Friday. A lot of energy, excitement out there. Uh, guys flying around, um, good communication, great bunch of, uh, of guys out there to work with. And um, and just excited about being back on the field. You know, they'll have uh, the weekend off and then Monday will be a full padded practice and we kind of roll from there. So I know you guys have a lot of questions. So let's get to those. Start here with John Kurtz. Yeah. Hey, Chris, just wanted to ask about Skyler. <clears throat> Skyler, an update on just what he's able to do this spring. I know I saw the picture of him. Looked like he was maybe throwing it a little bit, but what, uh, what's he able to do? Yeah, we got some great news on Skyler. Uh, Monday before spring ball started, uh, he was cleared for uh, normal activity, uh, no tackling contact. We will have him do uh, all of our seven-on-seven stuff, all of our one-on-one stuff. He's practicing uh, every day. He won't be in many team settings. He'll get into a few team settings that are non-contact team settings, but uh, I'm excited for him because he's able to throw to moving targets uh, this spring, and, and prior to that, we didn't think that was going to happen. And so uh, great news for Skyler and great news for, for our football team. I know it's Really early, probably unfair even to ask this, but behind him, the the battle for his backup job, how how tight does that appear to be, and what what kinds of things will you be looking for there? Well, uh, you know, you have uh, Will Howard that played uh, really good football and, and played a number of games, and so we're excited to have Will back, and you can tell uh, how much uh, the weight rooms helped Will, and then uh, be, you know between Jaron and, and Max and, and Jake, we have some young guys. Uh, Jaron's now kind of getting to be an older guy that I'm excited about the competition competition and uh, uh, we feel really good about the depth we have at quarterback and we'll see how it plays out. Appreciate it Chris thanks. You bet. Kellis. Hey Chris good to see you again. Um, good to see you Kellis. No, no spring ball last year was kind of an albatross for you and everybody. I'm just wondering does that make you change the way you approach things this time around knowing that you didn't get it last time and maybe you're more fired up to get get something special out of it. I think everybody's more fired up, Kellis. I, coaches and, and players, and uh, there's great excitement. It's uh, it's so much fun to be out there with the guys. They're excited to be out there. You know, we go in the mornings, as you guys know, and so our kids are at the facility before 6 a.m. We have quick meetings. We have a uh, quick continental breakfast. We're out hitting the practice field by 7.15, and first whistle blows about 7.30, and, and we're going for a little over two hours. And um, once again, we've had two uh, helmet practices that have been really good. Guys have been excited, but uh, uh, you can tell, uh, you know, you, the energy because you miss the entire uh, winter and spring last year. So it's a lot of fun to be out there with the guys. 
Kellis, how you doing today? I'm doing good. How about you, Blair? Doing all right. Um, uh, curious, uh, interested to talk to you about the doings at Kansas State. A um, lot going on. Spring football is here. They're getting a little bit of an early start. Was, is this consistent with uh, what, what Climate did last year and previous years at uh, K-State and North Dakota State? Well, there was no spring football last year, unfortunately. Year before that, they got started in late March. Typically, th- typically they get started in late March or early April. They don't like to co- uh, you know, overlap with basketball season, um, but things are a little bit different this year. Um, there's no spring break to deal with because they did away with that because of the coronavirus pandemic. And honestly, after not having spring ball last year, after not really having much of uh, bowl practice this past season, they decided, what the heck, let's go ahead and get this thing going earlier rather than later. So they're, they're going right now. They'll end in early April. And, uh, yeah, for at least a few weeks anyway, fans will have a little bit of interest in both basketball and spring football. I like. I heard a coach last week say that he likes early spring football practice because if anybody gets nicked up, you get extra time to heal for that. And if you're practicing in April and your spring games – you know, the third week in April or something that cuts down on a recovery time. But that that made sense to me. And if, you know, this part of the country with the weather, it's always a roll of the dice. You're going to get better weather in April. But it's been nice here this week for Kansas State. And technically, they, they started on Wednesday, right? Kansas State's already been out there. They did. They've got two practices in already. They were out there bright and early Wednesday morning. Um, you know, typically when they start spring practice, they go to the indoor, but it's actually so warm. Here this week, they went ahead and they practiced outside. Um, and, and one other thing I will say on the scheduling, uh, that's a great point you bring up. I've never thought of it that way, that uh, do it early. That way, if you need time to recover, go ahead and do it. That's a great point. Um, but with with Kansas State and Chris Kleiman right now, he's really not a big spring game guy. That was one thing Bill Snyder, uh, for whatever reason, really liked. He, he liked to draw it out as long as possible. Um, it was basically a full three-hour game every year when, when Bill Snyder was here. And I don't know if that was just his way to evaluate the players as much as he could or give fans the most opportunity possible to see the team. But he really liked to have that, uh, you know, in April when the weather was good and everybody could enjoy the day. Chris Kleiman does not, uh, does not have spring games. It's more of just, a, you know, an open practice, spring showcase kind of deal at the end. So without that to worry about, that's even less reason to push it back. I can remember a couple of years where spring football games were a little bit of a revenue generator for K-State. Wouldn't they charge a little bit for, you know, five bucks or whatever, but it would you get 15 or 20,000 people at the, you know, at the stadium. And of course, one year they went to the, the soccer stadium in Kansas City, Kansas, while I think there were repairs being right. made. Uh, so anyway, uh, it, it's a maybe maybe a little bit of revenue not realized by you know opening it up and charging people nominal amounts. But and and you look right now where we are in the in the pandemic. I, I don't think you could you know you'd have to space them out pretty. You, you have to be pretty strategic about where you'd put people anyway. So hey, let me Kellis. Let's just talk about the team really quick. Of course, the big news is um, uh, quarterback depth. Kansas State has as much of it as anybody in the country. It seems to me. Um, with the return of Skylar Thompson, but he is not going to participate in in a full way in spring practice. Is that right? That's right. Um, It's still a little bit up in the air how much exactly he's doing. The last time we talked to Chris Kleiman, he made it sound like he would barely be out there at all just kind of watching, but we've already seen some some videos and some images of him throwing 
uh, and in uniform of practice. Did, didn't see him taking any snaps or participating in scrimmages or anything like that, but he was throwing, so that shows you, hey, that's that's a good sign. He's at least coming along maybe a little bit ahead of schedule um, for, for the start of the real season here in the fall. But uh, I think all eyes really will be on Will Howard and Jake Rubley this spring, which is a very interesting thing for them because, I mean, how often do you get, get a chance to glimpse into the future and see what the quarterback's going to be after your, your current starter leaves. Um, and, and that's what, where they're at right now. Everybody knows Skyler's going to start next year, but then uh, in, in 2022, is it going to be Will Howard? Is it going to be Jake Rubley? We get it. We get our first taste of it right now. And uh, it, it's what makes it so fascinating. I think is that Will Howard never got spring ball last year. Um, when, when he did play, we saw him make seven starts last season, but he was completely raw. I don't know that it's totally fair to, 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 to judge him yet just based on that because he was so young. So now we get to see if he, he develops and hey, Jake Rubley uh, was a great looking recruit. And now we get to see him in some extended action. And normally, you know, normally the only look we really get at these guys is uh, they're, they're with the second team offense in the spring game going up against the first team defense. You don't get to see a whole lot, but this year they're getting, they're getting reps with the first teamers. And I think that's pretty cool. You know, in the current college landscape, once Skylar Thompson announced he was returning for a, you called it a super senior season. I call it a super redshirt senior season because it'll be his sixth <laughs> season in a, in, a, in a K-State uniform. That would have triggered, um, you know, transfer talk uh, in, in a lot of places. And that wasn't the case at Kansas State with Howard and Rubley both coming back and battling it out. Rubley especially, right? I mean, um, he's gonna, in, in, in normal circumstances, he would be battling for the start with, uh, you know, with Will Howard, who had, a, you know, had, who did some nice things, but didn't finish strong last year. And, uh, but, but both of them, you know, Howard and Ruby decided to, to, to come back and, you know, just based on, you know, what I've read and, and heard, I expect them to stay in the, in the program for, you know, and, and, and go through this year and battle it out, uh, in subsequent years. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, maybe, maybe one of them will, de- will decide to look and play somewhere else once, uh, you know, the, the starter between them gets settled in a year or two. But for right now, I think they, they've both shown a lot of maturity um, by saying, you know what, um, spending a year behind Skyler and learning a little bit will do both of us some good. Um, and I know that's not necessarily what Will Howard probably wants after starting seven games last season. Um, you want to keep building on that and everything, but I think it was pretty clear that he could use some time to learn the playbook. Um, you know, even Patrick Mahomes needed one full season behind Alex Smith before he exploded. Right. So, um, yeah, he, he was willing to go back and do that and maybe get in some spot minutes next season. And Hey, Jake Rubley, same deal. Um, I, I was very interested to hear what his thoughts on, on Scott coming back were, because when, when he came in, I mean, the big selling point was look, Scott has got to be gone. Right. And the only person you'll have to beat out for a starting job is um, is a freshman who hasn't accomplished a whole heck of a lot yet. So the door was wide open for him to start immediately. And now, you know, it's got, he's got to wait a year. I, I was I was uh, impressed by him, too, being able to come in and say, you know what? Um, there are a lot of options now available to me if I if I learn behind Scholar. So I'm, I'm willing to do that. I'm happy to do that. And you're right. At a lot of places, people might not have been so patient. Um, we'll see if it holds out that way. But for right now, I mean, you couldn't ask for a better situation. I would say the jury is still out on whether Mahomes had to sit out a year uh, behind that. <laughs> um, but it did happen. And Fair enough. Fair you, enough. Cannot argue Fair with enough. the results of, uh, 
Uh, I, I'm, I'm surprised more NFL teams haven't done that since uh, since the Chiefs did it with Mahomes after the 2017 draft. And uh, you know, Alex Smith was really good that year, though. He was so paranoid about Patrick Mahomes, it lit a fire under him. It must have uh, led the uh, led the AFC, maybe the NFL, but certainly the AFC in passer rating that year. Uh, but another crushing loss in the in the in the playoffs. That was the year, to, I think, to the Titans. Um, and of course, the trade, the the Alex Smith trade, happened. Uh, you know, after that season, of course, Alex Smith in the news again today. The Redskins, not uh, not the Redskins, the Washington Football Team, not uh, <laughs> not bringing him back. So, and Alex still wants to play. But uh, but we digress, Kellis. Um, so what, what position groups should uh, we be paying attention to uh, for development in spring, uh, in spring football? Yeah, outside of quarterback, the big areas I'm looking at is linebacker, where um, for the first time in like what feels like 50 years, Elijah Sullivan and Justin Hughes <laughs> aren't the starting linebackers. You're going to have to see somebody else back there. Um, and who's it going to be? I think Daniel Green and Cody Fletcher are the fav- favorites to start. But neither one of those guys have really done enough uh, in a K-State uniform to make you think, boy, those are, you know, like top-level starters who might contend for an all-conference team. Um, they've got some other nice pieces behind them with, uh, with like Eric Munoz, the transfer they got from Utah State. And they've got some other promising players who've, who've come in and had some, some spot minutes here and there um, and look like solid backup, solid rotational players, but just nobody's really emerged yet as that, you know, leading tackler type of player. So who's, who's going to stand out there? They need somebody to, to rise up, and it'll be interesting to see who that player is. And then on the other side of the ball, I would say receiver. It was just su- such a mess last season. I don't know if you can put all that on them because they had they did have a freshman quarterback throwing the ball most of the year. But at the same time, their leading receiver was a running back. Their second leading receiver was a tight end. They didn't have a single receiver top 300 yards, which uh, this day and age is just uh, almost unfathomable. So who, who's going to step up? And, and give Skylar Thompson somebody to throw to. Um, you know, we didn't see it last year. Somebody's got to do it. So I, I, I'm interested in that position as well. Hey, and, and Chris Kleiman dipped into the transfer uh, pool in a, in a kind of a bigger way this, for this year. I think I counted, is it five? Um, that it, maybe four that we'll see in, in the spring, but five overall from uh, Division One transfers and four of them on the defensive side of the ball, as you alluded to earlier. So um, I guess people are, people are going to get their first look at some of these players. Anyone, any one or two that really uh, we should keep an eye on? Yeah, um, I'm intrigued by Julius Brents, a cornerback from Iowa, and Russ Yeast, a safety from Louisville. Um, these are both guys who, um, you know, they don't, they don't have troubled past or anything like that. Um, it seemed just like Russ Yeast just wanted to play somewhere else after spending a lot of time at Louisville. And Julius Brents just went through a, a lot of injury issues at Iowa. They didn't want to lose him. They still had high hopes for him. He just wanted to move on too. And these, these are potentially two high-level players that they just plucked and added onto their defense. And last year, I mean, by the end, they were really hurting in the secondary. Texas walked all over him. Iowa State walked all over him. Uh, I mean, a lot of teams walked all over late in the season. Um, so who's going to come in and actually help out promising players like Justin Gardner, Echo Boydo, Jerron McPherson? They still need one or two other guys who can come in and actually play as starters there. 
And if those two players are as good as advertised and can start immediately, then that raises the ceiling for this team quite a bit next season. You know, one of the concerns at the uh, by the end of last season was um, strength and conditioning. And look, maybe there was a, it was a numbers game as well, uh, but a change has been made there. Um, whether there's a new strength and conditioning coach, his name is Tremaine Carroll from South Florida. What's the what are the early what's the early word on on Tremaine Carroll? I mean, the players seem to like him. Um, we haven't gotten a, a big glimpse of him yet, but. I mean, he fits the part of a strength coach. He he looks like he could bench about 500 pounds, um, got a lot of energy, comes highly recommended. So I, I'm actually of the belief that uh, I think strength coaches are a little bit overrated this day and age. I think um, they're, they're fairly replaceable as long as you can put somebody in there who's relatable to players and get them fired up. I think there are a lot of people who can do it. At the same time, though, you can clearly tell that, um, you, know, you know, Chris Kleiman was at least open to the idea of, of change just by the way, he talked at the end of the season that he really wanted his players to get bigger, faster, stronger, and put more time in the weight room. And perhaps a change there um, it will help. I mean, Chris Dawson, everybody here really liked him, really respected him. But he'd also been here for 12 years. Maybe his message after that long just wasn't, you know, getting through the same way. And sometimes a new face, some turnover can be good. And I think it helps that he played, Tremaine Carroll played defensive end at Oklahoma State not that long ago in this conference, knows what it takes. And I mean, I, I still think when, when you look at a strength coach, you want to see, boy, that's somebody I want to aspire to look like one day, you know, um, you don't want somebody like me. Maybe you want somebody like you. You don't want me telling somebody what to do in the weight room. Somebody like that you can listen to. So I, I'm, I'm interested to see what he, get, what he can get done there. You make some good points, though. I, I, listen, I think every strength and conditioning coach at the, you know, at the level we're talking about has the, the knowledge and the background and um, they know how to make players bigger, faster, stronger. It's the relatability to the players because strength and conditioning coaches have more access to players than any, almost anybody on the staff. There, there are limits to the amount of time that a head coach and an assistant coach can spend with players. It's much less true with the strength and conditioning coach. They are with the players quite a lot, during the, especially during the offseason. So relatability, I think, is the, is the big key here. So, all right, Kellis, let's take a break. And when we come back, let's talk a little basketball. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Stars award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. We're back with Kellis Robinette talking to Andy <laughs> State. And uh, Kellis, the, the Wildcats have one regular season game remaining uh, against Iowa State on Saturday before the Big 12 tournament next week. And I, I guess I didn't think about this until I read it 
in, uh, I think it was your Q&A, that um, with a victory, Kansas State can surpass its conference victory total from last season. I don't think anybody who has kind of suffered through this basketball season thought of improvement uh, as, as a word to describe what happened, but that will happen if, if um, at least in conference play, and I think that's all you really can judge this in this odd year for college basketball they could be one game better than they were a year ago. And I don't know if anybody's calling that big progress, but it is something, isn't it? I mean, they are playing, they certainly are playing better now. And as you mentioned, Bruce Weber, unless something really bizarre happens, is going to be the Wildcats coach next season. Yeah. Um, I mean, all, all signs point to him coming back. Um, and they, like you said, they are improving a little bit. And at least, I mean, hey, people say that there's absolutely nothing on the line for this Iowa State game. Iowa State's winless. Kansas State has three wins. It's not even the, the battle for, for last place we thought maybe it might be a few weeks ago. And I get that, but I think it is a big game for Kansas State for the reason you just said. If, the, if they win it, they can actually put down on paper that they were better this season in some small way than they were last year. And that, that's one of the biggest criticisms fans have against Bruce is that he just once he goes on a downward spiral um, in these roller coaster kind of kind of seasons that he's had at Kansas State, you can tell at most in the conference standings, it, he goes, you know, he'll have 14 wins one year, then 10, then six, and then he bottoms out. It just gets worse and worse every year. This would at least be a sign that, hey, they're trending in the right direction if they can go from three to four wins. Now, nobody's suggesting they throw Kansas State a parade for winning four Big 12 games. But it is something, and honestly, it would give them uh, three wins in their last four, you know, not terrible. They had another one on in Kansas City, four or five. I mean, if you're just trying to tell hope for next season, hey, you got it right there. That's at least something to build on. And then one of those wins, of course, was over an Oklahoma team that uh, is NCAA tournament bound, was in the top 10 when Kansas State beat them at, at Bramwich Coliseum. Hey, so let me ask you, is, is Nigel Pack expected back against the Cyclones? He is. Um, it, it, yeah, he's been dealing just with a weird eye, eye deal. Um, they originally called it an eye infection. Bruce Weber on his radio show yesterday called it pink eye. For whatever reason, it just lingered for a week. He, he missed pretty much a full week of practice with it. But he did return yesterday. He practiced. And uh, all signs point to him getting out there and playing, playing on Saturday against Iowa State, which is good for them because Kansas State is winless without packing the lineup. He's, he's a big deal. I don't know if you can say he's their best player. I think it's up in the air between him and Mike McGurl, but he's one of their best two. Their leading scorer, you take him out, um, they're a much worse team. So if they they got him, they'll be favored against Iowa State. They probably win, and that's that's also a big deal. He'll be a Big 12 all-freshman. There's a there's a five-man team selected. He'll, he'll be on that. He's, he's had that good a season. And you mentioned Mike McGurl. Um, it'll be senior day uh, at Kansas State, as it will be for, for schools around the country, or if they haven't had him already with conference tournaments coming up next week. Um, does Mike McGurl have a decision to make about whether to become a, you know, a, a super senior as, as we say uh, next year? He does. Um, and it's an interesting one. I mean, really, I think it comes down to, you know, is he just bored with college or not? Um, if he can stomach another year of college, some people can't, you know, they've been there four years. They just want to move on. Skylar Thompson is one of the few that seems willing to be here forever you give him seven or eight years he'd probably come back and keep playing maybe Mike McGurl's not in that boat but I would say if you're just purely looking at okay what's my opportunity next season if he comes back next year he's looking at 35 minutes a game probably 
it's close to what he's had this year. Um, I, I went back and looked. There's only been one player in the under Bruce Weber who's played more minutes, at least percentage-wise, who's played more percentage of a team's minutes than Mike McGrill has this season. It was Barry Brown as a senior. So that shows you how much they leaned on Mike McGrill this year. That's not going to stop next year if he comes back. Um, so if he comes back for a fifth season, he'll he'll have an even just as big a role as he did this year. He can do whatever he wants, um, which could be appealing to him. But at the same time, he he is good enough to go overseas and, and, and play pro and make a little bit of money that way. Um, or if he wanted to explore the transfer market and try to play somewhere else as a grad transfer next year, that would be available to him as well. So he he hasn't said one way or another what he wants to do. I think personally, he's probably leaning towards coming back. Bruce Weber has gone out of his way to say many, many times he would love to have him back. And typically when he knows somebody's back, he doesn't go out of his way to talk that way. So I think there's at least a chance. And um, I, I mean, Kansas State could use him next year. So it, it'll be up to him. But I think if I were him, I would say come back. You know, it's going to be a, a big storyline after these teams' seasons end. And, uh, and one thing to keep in mind is – Everybody, um, seniors this year are being, you know, have the extra year of eligibility. It doesn't guarantee him a scholarship. It does guarantee him an extra year of eligibility. So, um, listen, I don't think there'd be any question about McGurl, but but for some who, uh, you know, that's something to keep in mind, that the, the, the scholarship isn't guaranteed. The Only the eligibility is. So, hey, uh, and before we get out of here, Kellis, uh, I just wanted to get a thought from you on this. I've been reading some Cleveland Cavaliers box scores lately and have been seeing uh, in the starting lineup uh, Dean Wade. And not only seeing him in the starting lineup, but uh, but producing. And I usually see the Cavaliers winning those games. So really nice little stretch here for Dean Wade with the Cavaliers. Tell us what, uh, you know, how he, uh, you know, uh, how, you know I, I thought he was on one of those uh, two-way deals, but, but if he is, he's, he's with the – He's with the big club now. He is. Um, he'd been kind of, you know, his status had been kind of up in the air most of the season. Didn't know if uh, they were going to send him back down to the G League or keep him the whole way. And opportunity kind of struck for him. Uh, they had some injury issues in Cleveland. Kevin Love was out. Uh, I think the other guy on the team, I'm sorry, I'm not totally familiar with the roster. Larry Nance, I think, is their other forward. Yeah, he, Nance, he's yeah. been out. So they said, uh, you know what, we need, a, we need a new power forward in the lineup. Dean, you're up. And, um, yeah, I guess he was super nervous about it, but uh, went out there and has been playing really good. Um, he actually it's, – it's kind of funny. They, they, when they insert, inserted him into the starting lineup, they responded by winning uh, their next five games. Wow. So that's pretty impressive right there. Um, he scored 11 points in one game, had 12 rebounds in one game, and uh, there, there, some locals in Cleveland were even joking that he was uh, – the real D Wade better than Dwayne Wade when he was playing there. Um, he belongs in the MVP race because they're undefeated with him as a starter. Unfortunately, they finally did lose last night with him in the starting lineup. He scored 17 points, but they lost. So his undefeated streak as an NBA starter is sadly over, but Hey, it, it's, it's good for him. He's uh, I'm, I'm happy to see him, you know, finding a role in Cleveland and they went ahead and guaranteed his contract. So he's going to be there all season. Well, that's fantastic. I, people who remember him as a college player um, thought, what a skilled and talented guy. You almost, there were times and you wish he would shoot more and score more. Um, he was, he was always kind of a deferential guy, especially early in his career, but, uh, but a key, certainly a, a key player 
for the for the team that ended up going to the Elite Eight. Now he didn't get to play in the tournament, hardly any because of his injury that year. But uh, uh, what a what a, what a fine college player he was, and really happy to see uh, you know a Kansas kid uh, having this kind of success in in the NBA. So. All right, Callis, great catching up with you, and uh, we'll we'll talk uh, Big 12 tournament next week. All right, awesome. I look forward to it. That'll do it for today and this week on Sportsbeat KC. Thanks to our production staff of Derek Donovan, Beth Welsh, Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, Chris Fickett, and Savannah Smith. A tip of the cap to Callis Robinette for stopping by and talking Kansas State. Links to his stories can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com as well as WichitaEagle.com. Hey, we have another deal for you. For a limited time, you can subscribe to Sports Pass for 99 cents a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. After three months, it auto-renews at $5.99 a month unless you cancel. And what a time to subscribe. The Royals are at spring training, March Madness is right around the corner, and it's never not Chiefs season. How do you get it? You go to kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. That's kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. Do you want more than just sports coverage? Check out the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports news features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional national news, sports, and business coverage with the E-Edition. The details for all of these deals can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. And if you're having trouble hunting down any of those offers, send me an email bkirkhoff at kcstar.com, I will get you to the right place. So whether it's the Sports Pass or the full subscription, you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports Beat KC. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Monday with another episode.